Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. I'm here today with Jim and Jeff. Today, on today's episode, we're going to be discussing how we qualify prospective clients and why you want to qualify people ahead of time. And the old way to do it was, you know, hey, anybody who could fog a mirror in those first five years, we were saying, hey, come on in, we'll meet. And, and what we have found is, as, as we've gotten more wisdom and more experience, is there's a better way to do it. And by that, we mean qualify people ahead of time. So that's going to be today's main topic of discussion on the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Before we jump into that, I wanted to remind all of our listeners Hey, be a part of our community on Facebook, the Financial Advisors Edge podcast community. It's a private group that you're welcome to join. Check us out there and check out our website, thefaedge.com. So who wants to kick us off and kind of explain your, your process? We'll kind of just get started one by one if it's okay, uh, Jim and Jeff. Can you kind of describe your process of qualifying a prospective client. Let's just sit, imagine somebody gets referred to you. What does your process look like? Yeah, that's um it's a great it's a great question and I you know I used to not qualify people, Greg, to your point. I, I used to uh if they could fog a mirror, I'd want to meet with them because I was convinced that I could turn them into a client or um or there would be potential there. And there's always probably a little potential. But now what we do is, you know, I, I think people are actually willing to share if you get them on the phone and have a conversation with them. But you just can't come out of the gates and start asking, how much money do you have? How much have you saved for retirement? You've sort of got to beat around the bush a little bit. So our process is pretty simple. So depending upon where the lead source came, came from, we, we begin with a conversation like, hey, thanks for calling. And we appreciate the time you spent with us in the, in the, in the, in the, in the investment of, of, of time for it. And let's ask some questions. Like, what are you, what? No, the first question we ask is, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what caused you to reach out to an advisor? And I think that question alone um, spurs a lot of conversation. And, and you're going to find out a little bit about their personality. If they're that person who just can't shut up, or if it's the person who wants to just give you the specific. And then after that, you just begin to ask questions. I mean, I'm pretty to the point. You know how? You know how much have you saved for retirement? So I just ask them, you know, how much do you have in retirement accounts? You know, 401ks, IRAs, 403bs. Uh, do you have money in the bank? Do you have money in other investment accounts? Like, what's your liquid net worth? The only problem with when you ask a, a flat out net worth question, you guys might find this is that they oftentimes include like their their land or their house uh, or their boat or things that don't have it. But but I think the most important thing is just um, is first asking them why they called, connecting with them. Um, and then asking them those kind of qualifying questions about, you know, what, where their assets are at. And then, you know, after that, this is probably something we can, 
we can dive into, but you know, you after you've figured out that they're actually a qualified person, how do you convert that qualified person into a first appointment, which is uh, how our businesses really uh, run? So, Jeff, how about you? What do you uh, how do you qualify folks? Yeah, and you know, I'm as I'm thinking about this, I think probably we should both qualify our answers in that we've earned the ability to not necessarily need every client that or prospective client that contacts us or that we end up in contact with. So I'll I'll challenge us to go back to our early days here when we're done with what we do now and maybe talk about what we would have done differently or what we could do differently because it certainly was not the same process in the early stages as it is for me right now. I, I would accept or admit that. Um, but to answer your question, one of the things I'm actually interested in is, of course, depending on how we ended up in contact with the person, there's a little uh, difference from one person to the next. But um, I, I I need them to understand I keep a very tight and busy schedule. And um, so I'm using that first interaction with them in part by necessity to gauge their willingness to work with me to actually get us in touch. Um, for example, I've through a, a lead service, uh, been in contact with somebody who every time I actually do connect with them says, Oh, call me back tomorrow. How about you call me tomorrow? Uh, and it's really just a game at this point now seeing, you know, how much he can get me to chase him. Um, and I'm not interested in that kind of a client. Um, I'm, I'm actually hunting this one out of the sport of it a bit, but um, but don't really have a big interest in having him as a client. So I just stress that, that, okay, now I'm saying, here's an uh, invitation to a link on my calendar. Uh, I'm going to ask you to set a time for us to speak by phone so we know what you have going on. And if they're not able to do that, chances are they're just not ready to work with a firm like ours that requires some planning and scheduling and that kind of thing. Um, but then, of course, I'm hoping to have a conversation with them by phone and similar to what you said, Jim, what has you out looking for an advisor? Um, and is there something specific that you're hoping to accomplish right now? And asking open-ended questions. Uh, but then I am kind of hopefully doing a miniature version of what a first meeting would look like, where I'm actually beginning to draft the potential plan with them. So similar to what you've said, I just, as I always do, go in order of the financial planning document I use and say, uh, do you have a sense of where you're at for cash flow month to month? Are you bringing in more than you spend? What does that look like? And then tell me about where you're sitting for any debt and then where are you sitting at in terms of assets? Um, incidentally, I don't use the term. It's funny. I don't hardly ever use the term net worth. Uh, just as you said that it's interesting difference between us. Um, I say, tell me what you have going on in retirement accounts. What do you have going on elsewhere? Um, just trying to position, we're going to take this thing one step at a time. And I'm going to ask a lot of questions before I even begin to start attempting to give answers. Um, but then I will say, here's what I, in that first conversation, hopefully that first section has taken 10 to 15 minutes at most. And I'll say, here's where I suspect we're headed with this. Uh, but for us to get clearer on that with each other, let's spend some time probably closer to an hour in person and see if they're ready to, to have that next conversation. Uh, you were going to say something, Jim. Yeah, and just to clarify, no, we don't. We don't ask net worth. We um, we ask investable. We we try to we try to avoid net worth because you get answers that aren't that, that really don't have a lot of a, a lot of value for the advisor. Um, we want to know how much do you have an IRAs, four hundred one ks, four hundred three bs, et cetera. And I really do. I love what you said about. Um, I just wanted to 
I just want to underline this because I thought it was really good. Um, walking them through your process. We we tell a, um, a, a how story or a why story, I guess it is. I'm not sure which story it is, but ultimately we have a, we have a process. We call it your, your total wealth blueprint. So that's how I lead into scheduling the appointment. After I figure out that they're qualified, then we go through what our process is and, and ask them just, Hey, does, does this sound reasonable to you? But Greg, I'm excited to hear for you because I know with your practice, you are, uh, you really do a lot of vetting on the front end because you, you're running a you're running a very high efficiency practice. How do you how do you ask these qualifying questions? Yeah, uh, so so I want to highlight two points that you made, and then kind of I'll get into my process. Um, so first off, Jim, w- w- when you were kind of explaining the conversation over the phone and how it's going with them, y- you mentioned that you can kind of get a feel for the person, whether if you know they're you know for example, I I tend not to work with the engineer type uh, mentality, um, prospective client, the the do-it-yourselfers. That's that's one thing I'm trying to figure out right off the bat is, hey, is this person a do-it-yourselfer? Are they looking for free information? What are they really looking for help with? Um, and, And I guess just based on my the marketing funnels that I have, I run into a lot of do-it-yourselfers. So I'm trying to I'm trying to determine that kind of very very quickly. Um, but another thing that Jeff said was kind of explaining the process that he has ahead of time, and to see if that's even going to be a good fit for the person, depending on what they're looking for help with. So one thing I'll, I'll kind of back up a minute um, and throw this question back at the two of you. How do you ask the, if you determine right up front, how do you politely tell the person, Hey, you know, I, I just don't think we're going to be a good fit based on what you've told me you're looking for. I kind of say to them, because you said X, Y, and Z, and we specialize in, you know, yada, yada, yada. I just don't think our, our interests are going to jive here. I don't think I'm going to be the best fit for you. So I would encourage you to keep looking uh, and, and shopping for other financial advisors. That's what I say. Not that you're a bad person or I'm a bad person, but there's just not a fit here. How, how do you politely and cordially um, let somebody down, so to speak? That I think you said it best. I mean, it's just the truth. And, and, Again, I think we kind of earn that over time. It gets more comfortable. Um, but yeah, I say the same. I say I, I'm I've heard enough to know what you're looking for is not what we do, and that's okay. Um, but I it I often say something like it does me no good to begin a relationship with someone that I can tell is not going to be happy, and um, and so and that's the truth. <laughs> I don't need it and you don't need it. And I'm pretty straight with people when I say, if you're looking for X in terms of rate of return, and I don't think that's realistic, there is, it's a no-win situation and I just don't want to put you there. And uh, so I tell you, you're going to be happier somewhere else. And and that's not that hard for me to do. And again, it sounds like it's very similar words to what you said, Greg. Yeah. How about you, Jim? Yeah, similar, um, little little nuanced differences. Uh, for us, if it, it depends what the objection is, if it's a do yourselfer who we think is going to come in and just try to use this for our time, I, I have no problem just discussing a planning fee up front. Um, I, I don't think I've ever charged one because nobody ever wants to pay five thousand dollars for a plan 
ultimately. A do-it-yourself or doesn't, generally speaking. So that's that's usually a good way to let them know that there would be a cost for the um for for a financial plan. The other way is, you know, the other the other kind of people we get is um really price sensitive folks who who really do want the service, but they don't want to pay for it. Like they 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 just can't fathom paying one percent for you know a million bucks, ten thousand dollars. Uh, is more than their, you know, their 1984 Subaru cost that they drive around and they're proud of. So they're they're just not willing. So normally, I just I I encourage them, you know, talk to Vanguard. They they pay third. You know, you're it's going to be one of the lowest costs you're going to have. It's going to be 30 basis points. Um, and then talk to another advisor. And if you haven't found a good fit at that point, then reach out to us. So I I let them do. I, I find if you give people work, you'll probably never see them again. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice way to. Um, to kind of push them back into the uh, to the pool of looking for an advisor, and, and and if they've gone through and talked to a couple advisors and and have rejected some of the lower cost options, then maybe maybe you misjudge them. That's the other thing we we have to be careful that we don't misjudge people based upon a twelve minute phone call. I mean, I, I'd like to tell you that I'm like um, I like can tell people's personalities immediately, but people surprise me all the time. Like they'll come in. Remember, like it's a it's it's a really it's a tough situation when you're meeting with an advisor. You, you, you people puff up their chest a little bit more in the first meeting than they normally do. Uh, they might be with their wives or their husbands, and they don't want to seem like fools. They want to seem like they've got great control, even though they know they've made every mistake. So sometimes, sometimes it's just you you misread it, and I am guilty of misreading people sometimes. So I try to give them a little grace if I can. Um, but but if it if it's really obvious, and I think we all know what that means. Then, um, or have seen it at least, th- then that's what I do. I push them to Vanguard or somebody else or make a recommendation. I know I don't think I've ever really said that I don't think we're a good fit. I have said that after they've met with me the first time, but not on the phone. Normally, I make them do some work and I just, un- you know, th- I don't hear from them again, although I always try to help them if I can. Because what we don't want to do is get a bad Google review or somebody to go out and leave a negative remark online about, oh, he wouldn't help me because I didn't have enough money, or he said we weren't a good fit. So you've got to be very careful on how you word this stuff because the internet is uh, where everybody searches for you before they talk to you, and you want to make sure that you didn't come across as an a-hole to somebody. You just got to you got to be really careful on that stuff. So um, I, I think Jeff and Greg probably have the grace to do that. They've done this a long time. So they can they can say this very diplomatically, but be careful if you have not turned people down before doing it. Yeah, and, and just uh, if anybody listening here has not gone back to the um, do-it-yourself conversion episode we did a few months ago now, I would recommend it because we are we have to be careful that we're not talking about that here entirely. Uh, but it just does make me think, listen for red flags from... Uh, whether it's do-it-yourselfers or people that have had a bad experience with an advisor, um, some of them are looking for a channel to offload all of the downside risk onto. Uh, I, I mean, one example is somebody came to me and said they wanted me to subscribe to the stock newsletters that they follow and give them my interpretation, which means if it didn't go well, it would have been my fault. And if it would, if it went well, I would have had no responsibility for it. Um, so I treated that very much as a red flag. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in those those beginning conversations, that that's personally what I'm looking for is kind of those red flags. Jim, you shared one one thing that that I want to jump back to is yeah, it's it's it is sometimes you you miss 
the, some of these red flags and, and we, our, our qualification process is only so good, especially on the phone. I had one prospect that came in a couple and I thought, wow, this is going to be a really nice couple. They've got the, you know, great investments. They need my help. And in the first five minutes, this was a couple of years ago in the first five minutes of the meeting, I said, Oh, did you, did you happen to have time to fill out our, our, uh, client intake questionnaire and our, um, and bring some statements and she said, oh, darn, I forgot my social security statement on the counter. And this guy, the husband, like proceeds to like berate her right in front. I mean, just like goes on and on, cussing this woman out. And I was just like trying to get out of that meeting as quick as I could, because I was thinking to myself, if he thinks he can talk to his wife like that and get away with it, how does he think he can talk to me if I end up being his financial advisor? So... Yeah, and, and he's and he's saying that to the his wife in front of a stranger. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. we we've all had personal conversations with our spouses. We probably wish we could take back. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, at least I have. I don't. I, you guys are probably saints and perfect, but um, yeah. But but in front of a stranger, can you imagine? Uh, yeah, that's that's like that's that's a, like a compliance problem waiting to happen. That guy. Yeah, he's I don't know if he didn't take his meds that day or what, but his temper <laughs> was like uh, and and this is a million dollar prospective client, uh, yeah. but but that doesn't matter to me because I I try to only work with nice people too. So if if somebody's like that, oh boy, that's a huge red flag. Yeah, Greg, I just want to jump in there cuz I think this is I think this is a real and I don't think I even even though I I think I think Jeff will say this is an earned an earned opportunity because of our tenure. I think everybody should really, I don't care where you're at, you've got to work with people that aren't jerks, that aren't, yeah. aren't just idiots to deal with. Because I don't care if you're two years in, five years in, 15 years in, if you work with somebody who is really, really difficult to work with, and they're just, they have unreasonable expectations, that is not, that's going to drain so much energy from you long-term that that's part of the qualification process that I think we're all talking about there. You can make some, you can make some adjustments on assets and, and ability to save or intellectual capacity around investing. But, you know, I think, I think no matter who you are, you really should adopt a no jerk policy. If, if you can, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. And I'll jump back to something that Jeff said, as far as a history of, in my experience, if I could go back, I would have never brought on clients that had a history of hopping from advisor to advisor to advisor, because they'll tell you, oh, I've got, let's say their statements have four different advisors. You know, they were at Edward Jones and they went to, you know, this indie guy, then they went to the Wells Fargo guy, then they went to and bought a fixed index annuity and they have all these different statements. And you ask, you know, it's okay to ask questions. We've got to kind of understand that is totally okay to ask open-ended questions like, tell me about your previous experience with these other financial advisors that are listed on these different statements. And then they go into, well, this guy's a jerk and this guy didn't did me wrong by this. And this guy wouldn't market time. He wouldn't get me out of the market when he was supposed to. These, these red flags should be, you know, kind of popping up. You should be able to see them in the early years. It was tougher because we were so eager for the business, right? Yeah. 
And I think a lot of our younger uh, listeners of this podcast are may still find themselves in that situation where, hey, they're hungry for the business, they're eager for the business. But uh, Jeff, you wanted to add something. No, you're you're you just the words you said is what I'm thinking. Um, one of the concerns I have about our industry is people that are too inexperienced in the business waiting for qualified business to come to them. So I think let's all now go back in time and get out some of our sales training tactics and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know what? Again, we're speaking from a bit of a point of privilege here. Let's talk about gutting this thing out early. Like we all wish uh, more of our uh, peers would do. Jim, what were you going to say? Oh, I, I agree completely with, with what you just said, Jeff. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you go read financial planning books about advisors who how to build a practice, if you listen to if you if you listen to the gurus, they're going to say don't add anybody unless they fit this very specific and strict criteria. And the reality is for that that that's not how you're going to survive in the business depending upon where you're at. Now you can do that when you get older or into the business, but boy, when you're like when you're 18 months in, and you're you haven't closed business for the month, and you know you're just barely scraping by. You know somebody with a hundred fifty thousand dollar account that you know that's probably all they're going to ever have might be really advantageous to you. Know, that might help you stay in business. So I think you've got to. I think I think depending upon where you're at in your process, you really should you should look at this differently. Your qualification standards are different. I have uh, minimums now. Where I didn't have minimums a couple of years ago because I can't handle the capacity. So I've had to qualify people. Not because I want to. I would love to work with everyone. I like people. I don't like all people, but I don't mind helping them if I can. But but I just can't help everybody. You know, it's like everything. And now I have to be much more uh, much more deliberate about who we take on. But that was not the case in the beginning. Yeah, not. I it wasn't the fall of the mirror, but boy, they, but I needed to survive more than anything. Right. So again, kind of the, the tactics, like I said, you are a salesperson early in this business, whether you like it or not, you are trying to convince people that you can provide value to them. So it doesn't mean you're hawking product. Okay. Let's be clear about that. But you need to be prepared to put them in a position to want to work with you. Yeah. And so what I'd say, you know, um, some of us may have had training from a former uh, basketball coach uh, who shall remain nameless. He had, I can't remember whether it was two or three, a two or three question rule. Uh, number one, your goal is to get them to ask questions. And if they've asked either the second or third question, the answer is, you know what would be in your best interest? What's that? We need to spend 15 minutes talking about this in person. So be prepared to close them on an in-person meeting because that is where this is going to end up. Uh, it's not going to get closed via phone anyway. So again, we've uh, kind of been speaking from the pedestal a bit here. Let's talk about if you're in the weeds, uh, you want to have that first conversation be quality, but probably fairly short. And you want to be headed very quickly to an in-person meeting and especially if you're early in the business, you want that meeting to be sooner rather than later, because there is a direct relationship between the amount of time they get lost wandering, um, you know, to how much time it takes for you to actually see them in person. So just again, early on, you should be thinking, about well, how do I close meetings and to close business? 
Love it, Jeff. Love it, Jeff. So, okay. So let's kind of keep going with this, right? This process. Let's say, okay, Tuesday at, at 4.30 or, or 5 o'clock after, after they get off work, you may say to them, hey, what, what day next week is going to work for you? Um, and let's say Tuesday at 4.30. Great. Uh, my process now is, hey, I, I send you this, uh, our, our uh, questionnaire. I think, Jim, you do something as well. You know, what can they prepare in preparation for this meeting? What can they prepare? What do they bring with them? They'll, they'll often ask you, well, what do I bring? And then you can kind of tell them. So let's kind of talk about that. Jim, what do you tell this person? Jeff, what do you tell this person? Uh, what do I bring? Yeah. So, so once they've committed, and I think, I think Jeff's point, I want to just go back underneath this. Once they've committed to a meeting, you do not schedule this meeting out two months from now. Like you want that thing done in the next week because there's a, there's a, I think of it as a temperature gauge. They're hot, they're ready. And the further out you go from that conversation to meeting with them, they're cooling down and you have less likelihood of closing that. So when you're there, you look at your schedule, you figure out a time that works and we ask them, bring anything with a number on it. And I, I just say it as a joke, bring anything with a number on it. So bring your bank statements, bring your investment statements, bring your social security, bring your tax, your last tax ta tax form. We, we ask them to bring all that in. I let them know we're going to send a questionnaire that'll come out to them. And we have a full blown process here, but we, we let them know to, to do that. I ask them to, I ask them, it's not required to fill the questionnaire out, but we, we do highly encourage it because it'll help the meeting move smoother. If you don't have a questionnaire, I highly encourage you to get one. Uh, the reason you want that is it shows a level of commitment and seriousness. You want to work with people who want to do this, who take it seriously, who are as committed to their own financial success as you are. Jeff made this point earlier about people not wanting to take responsibility or blame for their own mistakes by like following newsletters. You don't want that person. You want somebody who comes in and they've taken 20 minutes to write down an inventory of their of their financial life because it'll help you. It's not so much that you're not going to ask those same questions, but you don't want to sit in the meeting and ask them, how much do you owe on your house? And then to fuddle around with their phone for 10 minutes and try to figure out how much do they own their house? What's their payment? How much money? Like all the basic stuff. Like, because guys, people are clueless, but that's how we do it. Anything with a number. And we we also let them know we're going to send them an email and it's going to list everything they need to bring. How about you, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, excellent. I actually like that vernacular. I've never heard it or thought of it. I may start to use that because it's very real. It's tangible that anything with a number. Similarly, we ask them to bring a lot. Points I'd make is you uh, be prepared to articulate why. In other words, um, depending on where this person is coming from, they may be coming from a point of fear that they're going to get ripped off or uh, they're having come out of an experience with another advisor that did things poorly or they misunderstood what was going on. So um, why are you asking me to bring my bank statement when I want to talk about my IRA, right? Uh, or mortgage statement? Like, why do you want to know that? So my common statement is experience tells me the more complete of a picture we have up front, the more specific I can be for you on what your priorities ought to be and any hurdles we might encounter for you it, should we decide to go forward. So why? Why do you need to see this? It's because, and I genuinely mean it, um, I want to know those things, but I also want to know 
Are they holding proprietary products in their retirement account that are going to create an issue? Are they, and I, I explained this, I'd say oftentimes the bumps we hit are somebody has products that aren't transferable or products that have backend penalties that I need to be ready to explain uh, or certain benefits that may be there that I want to be clearer on for you. Um, so I want to ex- be ready to explain the why to them. Um, and then also, if you're asking them to bring that stuff, you dang well better be ready to look at it and have something intelligent to say about it. <laughs> so don't ask them to bring their tax return and then have them sitting across from the table and say, well, I don't really do anything with taxes. It's like you've just blown your opportunity there. So again, I my world is a lot of it is in taxes. And I say to them, again, why does he need the tax return? Like that sounds almost on the verge of flaky uh, or fishy. And I would say, because so much of what we do ultimately is going to end up on your tax return one way or another in the future, I need to know where you're at right now. But then when they bring that tax return, there are specific things I'm looking for on it, adjusted gross income, taxable income, capital gains distributions, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm using that as opportunities to talk with them and show them how I work. And again, I'm ready to articulate just that. I'll say then you will get to see firsthand a preview on the areas that I focus on um, so that you get a sense. I'm trying to tell them what is it, what's in it for you, right? The old W-I-I-F-M, um, you know, like uh, articulate to them why this is valuable to them because you can be specific. You can get them started down the road that we're going to be going down together. And by the way, that helps me be clear on what your cost structure might need to look like. Uh, again, that's a burning question in the back of people's minds. So be right up front with it. This is what we're going to discuss uh, when we have that first conversation. Yeah. And I just want to, I want to jump. I don't want to go over to Greg and ask you, but I, I tell people very simply, when you go to the dentist, you bring your teeth. And when you, and when you come into a financial advisor's office, you bring your statements because I need to do a fee analysis and a risk analysis. And I, I can't do that with a spreadsheet that you printed out of your holdings. I do not want to see it. I'm not interested in it. I think it's great. You spend way too much time on it, but does not help me at all. I'm sorry, Greg, go ahead. Yeah. A couple different things I wanted to add here. Uh, Jeff, you, you mentioned, you know, explaining why, why I need this, this, this information, the tax return, yada, yada, the statements, all that. And it's it's all how you phrase it, right? And just just coming up with a way that you're comfortable explaining it to the to the prospective client. What I say, and it's very very similar to Jeff's, is there's going to come a day, and and whether it's in this meeting or maybe a follow up meeting, that you're going to want complete advice, and I can't give you complete advice with half of the information. So. I I really really as a fiduciary, and you can say that if you if you are a fiduciary, I, I am like like the two of you are. Hey, I want to I want to give you advice that's in your best interest. But if there's you know if there's pieces missing, it's 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 not going to be you know uh, the best for you at the end of the day. So uh, a, a couple things uh, that that I I wanted to jump back on a couple thoughts maybe listeners are having. If you give somebody a lot of homework. Like oh you got to you got to gather this you got to gather this you got got to gather this you got to bring all these to the meeting. Some people listening may say, well, you're going to have a lot of people canceling meetings. And I did this early in my career because they they call up and cancel and say, hey, we didn't have time to get our 401k statements, our tax return, and we we didn't have time to complete your the the questionnaire. We got to cancel. 
and and I had that happen a lot, believe me. But what it what it really came down to is these people were qualifying themselves. They weren't really serious to begin with. And and it wasn't a priority, you know, the the planning that we're doing, the service that we provide, this wasn't really a priority. And and maybe I I I didn't qualify them correctly. So, but that's the big fear I think uh, that that a lot of advisors have is if if I ask people to to bring me the moon and the stars to to this first meeting, people are going to cancel because it's too much homework. They're not going to have enough time to gather this uh, all of this information, and maybe they're maybe they're unorganized and they don't know where everything is. Jim, what do you want to? What can you add to that? Well, no, I think I think I think you guys have all summed it up perfectly. You've got to ask people to bring stuff. We're professionals. We need it in order to give complete advice. To your point, I'm going to use that line. Uh, I think it's great. Um, you need it. I, the only thing I would say is that w- one thing we've overlooked is most people at some point in their career they're going to have a team. Like they're they're not going to be doing a lot of this, or you're not going to be doing it all at least. And, and you're going to have people that call in and people that find you and people that are referrals. And um, you better have your team trained on this as well, or at least they can't, they're not going to ask all the questions you ask, but you better have a script that they can run through. And we, we actually have a, a written out script that everybody on our team, they just ask the questions. Hey, so, so we can have Jim as prepared as possible for the meeting with you. Let me ask you a few questions. I and, like that. And, and, and it's, you know, it, it, it disarms the other person on the other side of the line. And and they don't have to push, right? Like they don't have to push, but um, but ultimately it, it helps it helps them qualify better. And our team knows immediately if it's not somebody that meets the asset minimum and they're not a referral, we'll always meet with a referral. I'm not pushing a referral off because I want more of them. So we'll always help them, not always work with them, but always help them. But th- they know that if it's not the right asset minimum, they they can they can go to a different tree of the the conversation and kind of push them into a, Hey, check out Vanguard, check out another advisor firm, and then give us a call back. And if we're the right fit, we'd love to sit down with you. A couple of things I want to, or one thing important that I want to add there, Jim, let's say John Smith referred the person calling in. You, you don't want that person calling in to get a bad taste in their mouth because somebody was rude to them or, you know, wouldn't offer to help them or meet with them. Then they're going to run back to your client, John Smith, who referred this person and say, hey, Jim and his team, they're a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> I, I called them up. They wouldn't even offer to meet with me. And they told me I didn't have enough money or yada, yada. It's a bad reflection on John Smith. And that's going to be the last person that John Smith ever refers to Jim and his team. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, just sitting here thinking about this. Um, you know, one of the things we have very explicitly on our website is what to expect in a first meeting. Um, and there's nothing wrong with putting it out there in black and white. And so especially if the advisor listening here is in a position to control their own web content, I'd recommend doing that. And um, if you're sending a confirmation via email, which I'd recommend immediately following that phone call, uh, you want to create as many opportunities to bounce back and forth as you can up front. And so demonstrate, as I often would say, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to send you an email just to be sure we're connected via email. And I can add a few points such as our document checklist and um, so on. But put a link on your website or a page on your website that says what to expect when we have a first conversation. I don't know where the captives are at on email these days, honestly, if you're with a large firm, but 
to the extent you can put uh, in an email message, here's what I expect we'll be talking about. Prepare them, give them some reps on that. So you're kind of taking the temperature down to and uh, eliminating as much anxiety as possible. So I just, again, kind of a couple thoughts I, I have in terms of setting those expectations up front and don't be bashful about putting it in writing and so that everyone, to Jim's point, everyone's following a process. Be sure your support people, as Jim said, know even what goes on in that first meeting <laughs> um, and, you know, so that everyone's on the same page. Jeff, I think we, in my business, we need to do a better job at educating people before they come in at what their what the experience looks like. When they come in, we walk them through what the experience looks like, but we don't do a great job at the front end. So I think that's, I'm going to go check your website out today. Uh, I think it's powerful. Um, I, I have seen other shops, and, and obviously you can't do this if you're captive, but I've seen other businesses on the indie space and RA space. They actually have videos of this. Like they've hired they have legitimately went out and hired like a professional crew, probably cost them five grand to do this video, where they walk through what does a first appointment look like? Because I think the reason why that's really powerful and why it makes sense, whether it's on your website or um, it's a video, is there is a lot of anxiety if you've not, not met with an advisor before. You have no idea what to expect. And you know, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever just went to a meeting and you've never, you don't know what it's like, you've never been there, you have to bear your financial soul, it, it can be really disconcerting for people. So getting them to be placed at ease before they come into your office, I think that could be really powerful. We've not done it, but I'm just through this conversation, I realize I need to put that on my uh on, on my goal list for sure, because I think it could have a lot of power. I, I wanna I wanna I wanna pivot just a little and ask Greg a question. So let's imagine now you've met with it or they, they've come through for whatever reason they got into your they got in and you're you're in front of them, right? So now now it's a first appointment and they're not right and they, they don't have enough assets. They, they kind of are, are jerk while they're in there. They're not sharing their information. Greg, how do you handle that in the first, you, you, you've thought you've pre-screened them, but we know no matter how good that is, people slip through. How do you handle that face-to-face? Yeah, I will, I will kind of recap, you know, I'll, I'll still complete the meeting just as I would if I was interested in working with the person. And at the end, I will kind of recap, okay, today, this was great. We covered X, we covered Y, we covered Z. Are there any other questions that you have? That and, and on my questionnaire, there, there is a, an area where people write in their questions. And so that's what's one of the areas that I that I flip to, because Again, I, I want to make sure that the time we're spending together is is well spent, right? Because they're giving us their their most valuable asset, which is their time. Uh, so, so you know, okay, if there's any, if there's not any questions, okay. Again, we as a recap, we went through X, Y, and Z. These are kind of the next steps for you. Ba 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 ba. I would recommend, and then kind of I make my recommendations. Maybe I'm referring them, you know, to an estate planning attorney. Maybe it's maybe it's a CPA. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. And then I'm kind of saying, okay, these are kind of your next steps. Unfortunately, based on what I'm seeing and the the service that, you know, the holistic retirement planning service that we offer, I don't think, and then I kind of give a, a reason and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, very, very specific. I can just say, you know, I, I just, I don't think we're going to be a good long-term fit for you, but 
I think my best advice is to kind of get started with these three steps and, and whatever they, they happen to be. And then I offer, you know, maybe, maybe they have a 401k. Um, I, of course I'll offer to, to evaluate that for them and, and maybe anything else that I can do. But by that meeting, I have, I have really gone through and, and given a lot of good advice and recommendations um, that, and they're, and they've made notes and they've, you know, so I'm arming them with a lot of, of good implementation, um, that, that they can go put to work, but yeah, got to kind of let them down easy. You can't say, you know, obviously you don't meet our asset minimum or, you know, you know, whatever it might be. So we, we, we do the same. Um, we, we do the same and I love what you said there. We do exactly the same. Uh, you know, we try to answer any burning questions they have for them. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes I'll let people know like, Hey, come back and see me when you're a couple years away from retirement. And I've actually had people come back. I've been doing this long enough now where I have people come back and I've forgotten about them, but they don't forget about you. I can promise that they'll come back and say, Oh, you said when this happens to come back and see you. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> I don't remember that. Uh, that's where CRM comes in, 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 uh, very handy, of course. Um, but yeah, we do the same thing. And uh, most of the time, I don't tell them that we're not a good fit. I just tell them like, hey, I don't I don't think I can really help you until you do all of this. And and I kind of walk them through what that looks like. And and by the way, I, a lot of times I'll I'll even go, I'll even pivot to say, I think I'm, if they don't have enough assets, I'll let them know. I, I think I'm too expensive. I think you, you, you're going to get a better outcome at Fidelity or Vanguard if you leverage their services. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways you can, you can do it with grace and, and allow them to have dignity when they come out and you can really help people too. I mean, you, you, you've already committed an hour. You might as well give them some good advice if you can. Cause well, I mean, look, we, we all got in this to be successful, make money, but we, you gotta be, you gotta have a personality where you like to help people as well. If you're going to be a successful advisor, in my opinion, Jeff, how, how do you do it? Yeah, just I mean, the hearing you guys talk about that makes me think back to the, you know, certain occasions when somebody's come to me loaded down with debt. Um, and I will lay out the path for them. I do happen to advocate for debt snowball and I'll run the numbers and, and say similar to what you guys said, especially Jim, I think, you know, if, and when you get a point to a point where this four or 5,000 bucks a month, that's going at cash flowing your debt right now is t- has taken care of your debt. I would love to see you then. Because the path is at that point, now we're talking about four or 5,000 bucks a month coming into long-term savings. And one in 10 of them will actually get jazzed up by that. And I've had some cases where they did just that. They got nuts about following that outline and knowing it's a multi-year process, but they come back and they've done what I asked them to do. <laughs> it's amazing. And so, yeah, don't. I think that concept of selling them on the future is has is in the real world, it can really work. So something similar to that, I would say, yeah. Love it. And and of course, Jim brought up a good point, keeping them in CRM, because if they do call you, you know, five years down the road, you want to, you want to be able to go back and say, when the heck, when the hell did I ever uh, <laughs> meet with this person five years ago? What did we talk about? So at the end of every meeting, we have a great, we use Wealthbox. Um, I go in and I, I type everything. I mean, like, like that couple, I could go into my, uh, that I talked about earlier. I could go into my Wealthbox now and, and it would say, what the guy said to his wife that forgot her social security statement and and what all we discussed, what I left them with as, as far as parting advice and why I, I determined that it, it's not a, a good fit. So 
This has been a great discussion, guys. The, the one, and, and we'll kind of recap here. I'll kind of, I'll kind of start us off if it's, if it's okay. The one thing we didn't talk about is in qualifying people. Uh, one of the mistakes that I made in the very beginning is I just kind of just, just kind of on a whim. Well, tell me about your financial situation. I didn't have a process of questions or anything. I just kind of as, as soon as I could get somebody on the phone just just i just wanted that meeting right and and it, there was there was really no qualification so what i would encourage everyone to do is put together maybe a list for and if you're not the one doing the qualifying i'm sure jim him and his team uh he has a list of and and they actually just become you memorize them the more and more you do it over time and it just becomes second nature but uh some of the questions that i have for example is uh you know do you have a goal for retirement uh when I'm, when I'm talking to the person, is it, is it an age or a certain amount of years from now? How much, like Jim said, how much do you have saved for retirement? What are you hoping I can help you with? What are you hoping that I can help you accomplish? That kind of thing. When, when you look at your financial situation, what is the biggest need for improvement right now? So all these different questions is you kind of write them down. These are great open-ended questions and it'll get the person thinking and they will, whatever they mention, this is, this is very crucial. Take notes during this conversation, during this qualifying call and put all of those notes in your CRM. So you know, Hey, what was top of mind, what they want to accomplish all this stuff. And, And if, I'm sure Jim's team does this when they're talking to the prospect over the phone, they're making notes. And so when Jim goes into that first meeting, he knows what was discussed, what questions that they ask, how, you know, as far as what they have saved for retirement, all that has been documented in the CRM ahead of time. So Jim's not going in there blind. So, so again, come up with that list of qualifying and just get better. Just practice, practice. Um, I gave you some, some very good questions. One of them is, have you worked with an advisor before? Can you tell me about that experience? That kind of thing. So um, guys, what else, uh, as we wrap up today's show, uh, what do we want to end on? Yeah, I, I would just say, uh, to Greg's point, just have a process. Think about it thoughtfully. What I like to do is I like to do um, rapport building for the first piece. And and asking open ended questions. What what why did you call? What can I help you with? Where how do you why why did you reach out to an advisor? I'll, you know just basic stuff. Then I want to qualify with assets to make sure that they have enough disposable income or that they have enough liquid assets or they're expecting an inheritance. Don't forget about inheritances; those do exist. And then finally, I want to um I want to walk through our process and ask for the appointment, like ask for face to face. And I want that face to face scheduled really quickly. I don't want it out six months from now. So that's that's our process. Uh, that's our process that our team follows. And I would encourage folks uh, to use some similar process. Uh, so so you know when a, when a prospect's coming in that they're at least theoretically qualified. Uh, that way you don't spend a lot of time meeting with people that are not qualified. You can spend that time prospecting or fishing or whatever you want to do. Love it. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, all I all I'd add is calling back to what I said, especially if you're newer in the business, learn to embrace and enjoy the sales process and treat it as such. Yeah. And what I learned, you know, kind of looking back, people all have goals, 
right? They and and maybe they call up and say, "Hey, you're I mean, your ideal client, we're, we're trying to help people accomplish goals. What whatever they people are not coming to us and saying, "Hey, I want to buy an annuity or I want to buy a mutual fund." They they want what the investments, what the planning will do for them ultimately. So it's important to us never to forget what the planning does and and being able to, you know, communicate that to prospective clients. So, hey, I hope this episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast has been helpful. We've got uh, almost 100 members on our Facebook, private Facebook community. So we encourage everybody, you know, join our group. There's a lot of of good information we're sharing there. It's good to see all of our listeners kind of coming together. So, uh, and also check out our website, thefaedge.com. Anything else, guys, before we go? Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.